Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T. Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, I want to talk about Rocky Mountain Eurosport in Denver and in Parker. It is a great buying experience. I was down there, and I got to tell you, it's like a concierge service. They treat you so well down there. And if you want to get a luxury car, domestic car, a foreign car, just go to their website at armurosport.com. They have a lot of inventory right now. A lot of places don't. They do. Uh, They have all makes and models for what you want. Great finance options. And they service their cars as well, their trucks or their SUVs. So it really is one-stop shopping. Go find them in Denver or Parker. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. All right, let's go out to the hotline. I want to bring in our Broncos insider, Cody Rourke. You can catch his stuff on MileHighSports.com. How are you, Cody? I'm good, Eric. You know, the cloud cover today at practice was nice. I know you and I were chatting about that, but... Uh, you know, the Broncos offense getting things rolling a little bit more crisper today than they did yesterday, and the defense continuing to shine, but we're just waiting for next week because that's when the pads start popping. Well, I'll tell you right now, for as good as that offense looked today, they cannot avoid Justin Simmons because he seems to be all over the place. Oh, my goodness. So he had that one play in coverage downfield with Kareem Jackson against Jerry Judy. I mean, the ball placement that Russell Wilson had, it was, it was probably about 35, 40 yards downfield. If Justin Simmons was even a half yard behind Judy, that might have been completed, and he just came in, got gets his hand on it. He's been fun to watch, and you know his counterpart too on the other side, and Patrick Sertan. They're secondary. They might be a real problem for opposing teams this upcoming season. Well, it was interesting to me that Nathaniel Hackett just jumped on it in the press conference. He was asked about it, but he jumped on it about Simmons' play on that breakup. That was awesome. He said. And then he, he talked about even remembering seeing him over the last three years and what, in his mind, is a great player. Yeah, I mean, spot on there. You know, one thing with Justin, he's continued to grow year in and year out. We actually had a chance to chat with him briefly after practice. And, you know, I even asked him about the DB room and, and really just going up against guys like Corlin Sutton, Tim Patrick, and Jerry Judy because they're going to have some tough tests this upcoming season. I mean, week one, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, that's going to be a challenge for the secondary, but they feel very confident. The work that they're getting every day against Judy, Patrick, and Sutton is making them better, and they believe that they're making those guys better as well. It kind of goes back to the 2015 mantra we saw in the Broncos' weight room, iron sharpens iron, and you know they're really drawing the best out of each other and competing. But Justin had told me, he said, you know, the one guy every day when we go back in the film room after practice and we go through and we watch film, we always have to wonder, where's Jerry Judy lining up on the field? That's where we really have to key certain things on the offense. And I think we're going to see a little bit more going with Russ and Jerry Judy as the days continue here uh, for Broncos camp. Well, it's funny you should mention that because I wanted to bring up Jerry Judy. I was watching him today in position drills, 
Uh, how do I put this? Because I don't want to make it sound bad. It felt at times like he was just going through the motions. To me, that's what it looked like. There was one uh, one drill where Cortland Sutton, he had his back, I think, to the jugs machine or somebody throwing it, and he turned around and he caught it. And then he had Jerry Judy just kind of step in there and just put out his hand and said, basically, just throw me the ball. And I'm like, you know what? Watch what Cortland Sutton's doing. Watch what Tim Patrick is doing. These guys are not only terrific players, but they are leaders as well. And I know Judy caught that pass right off the hop for about 30 yards. But Judy strikes me as a guy kind of like Garrett Bowles who needs a pat on the back instead of a kick in the ass. And when I listen to Hackett today, praise Judy. And then we listen to Wilson yesterday, praise Judy. I'm wondering if that's kind of intentional a little bit, but I'll take it a step further. I think that Wilson looks at Sutton as his DK Metcalf. I think that mm-hmm. I think that with Tim Patrick, he is absolutely a safety valve at worst. But I know it's only two days, and I get that. But Jerry Judy feels like the third option out there. Yeah, and, and that's one thing, too. I think that's a great storyline to try to follow throughout the rest of the camp, especially as things acclimate a little bit more, especially next week leading up to the first preseason game. You know, I think for Jerry, is how often he's split. I mean, they're not just putting him inside. They're moving him to the outside as well. He's getting reps out there. And I, I think for Judy, there's definitely one thing to it. And certainly as a player, you know, I think every player keeps in mind, you know, what media writes in newspapers, headlines, they see that. But I think for Judy, it's got to be a chip on his shoulder. you got to come out there every single day and practice, carry that with you, and just continue to work and improve. I've seen certain things with Jerry as well in terms of when he's running a route. Sometimes he's getting open so easily that he's looking to get upfield before he has the yep. ball in his hands. I think sometimes yep. that's where we see some of the drops come in. If he can piece it all together, he can be super special for this offense. But, you know, that also could be a strategy like you alluded to. Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson praising him and giving him maybe a little bit of a push that he needs. Because I imagine they have different conversations inside the locker room away from the field where no one can read into it. But, uh, I mean, the Broncos will be very successful this season if they can really get Jerry, Judy, and Russell Wilson clicking together. And if Judy can find a way to shake off a lot of the other stuff that's been bothering him throughout the first couple years of his career, he could take off this year. And I think the Broncos are really hoping he can do that. Here's the thing that I like about Patrick and Cortland Sutton. They have both fought through adversity in their careers. Yep. Patrick going through college and then trying to get into the pros. He is as calloused and it is mentally tough as you can imagine. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Corlin yep. Sutton coming off a <clears throat> coming off a torn ACL and he looks really good right now. I just don't know where Jerry Judy has truly faced adversity in his career. He's always been the best guy generally speaking on the field. He kind of reminds me of an AAU basketball player <laughs> who's always the best guy on the floor and just stands in one spot on the floor, waits for the ball to come to him, and throws up a jump shot and usually gets it in AAU basketball. But once he gets to the pros, he's got to move his feet. He's got to do other things in order to get open. And if you're wondering who that scouting report is, I'm talking about Michael Porter Jr. But my point is, I don't know if Judy has faced enough adversity in his career to be mentally tough enough to say, you know what, I get open, but I got to stop looking upfield. 
Yeah, and that's going to have to be something that coaches on and he continues to harp and, and work with those guys on Nathaniel Hackett offseason. They continue to acclimate things. You know, Eric, I don't know if you noticed this as well, but you know, for me, the first couple of days, it doesn't seem like we've seen too much wide offense for the Broncos. They've really had some condensed formations where they've had the tight ends and the receivers closer to the tackle and the tight ends on the end man of the line of scrimmage. They've gone empty a few times. Part of me is wondering, is this just an installation process through the scrimmage you know, portion for the offense and the defense where they're really working on the short game, building everything out of the condensed formation and then being able to show wider looks as you get through the season? That could also be another thing in terms of utilization, but I uh, definitely want to see that trend kind of continue. want to see the improvement here from Jerry Judy going into day three tomorrow and obviously back to football Saturday when it's going to be pretty much a sold-out crowd at the UCL training center. That'll be a fun thing to watch. Uh, but also another interesting note, too, Natan and Muti working in at right guard today when Quinn Miners did it on day one. So Right. I was going to bring that up to you. <laughs> that was something that stood out to me. Uh-huh. Well, I'm an offensive line junkie, and I noticed those. Because the, you're built the, like the, one. The tw- hey, shut up. The tweet. Shut up. Are we at that point of our relationship yes, you can tell me to that. shut up? Yes, I can. Wow, that hurts my feelings. Uh, Cody, stupid. you see what I have to deal with every day? <laughs> but uh, Nathaniel Hackett kind of shrugged off the question about the uh, tweaks in the offensive line, and he said that we're rotating people in, and he believes all that stuff about how you just have to, you, you're going to have to have multiple guys playing multiple positions and rotating through the year because of injuries and all that, and you need everybody you can have, basically. So he really didn't address the question. Who do you think is going to be the starting offensive line on, on the offense, starting offensive line on opening day? Ooh, that's a great question. I think left tackle Garrett Bowles. Like I said, I'm going to stick with my guns on a bold prediction. I think left guard will be Billy Turner. I think center will be Cushenberry. And then at right guard, I think it'll be uh, Quinn Miners there. And then right tackle Calvin Anderson. That would be my projection there. Uh, but then again, it could change. But I do feel a lot more confident. Like going into this upcoming season, I think that the Broncos have better line depth behind any potential starter than they did last year. That kind of gives me a little bit more comfort. But then again, it is early in the process. We haven't seen the pads come on yet. What is that going to look like next week when they actually have pads and they have to block guys like Draymond Jones, who just looks really good without pads, and DJ Jones as well? It's going to be a, it's going to be a real test for the offensive line, but I'm excited to see that battle play out. And on that, they also talked about, and uh, Garrett Bowles even addressed it, the idea of the outside zone blocking scheme. And uh, Nathaniel Hackett even brought up Alex Gibbs, who was the – who was the pioneer yep. in that. And so I'm interested to see how that's implemented, how the rules are different now. Will they be able to really do, do a hardcore outside zone blocking without being able to cut? Uh, I, I think so. And I think that's where the athleticism piece comes in because a lot of it will be stepping down one direction and then being able to move back the other direction, mm-hmm. showing that, uh, kind of misdirection to get the linebackers to commit to one side. And that's where really the play action will come in. Hey, that's what we saw with Mike Shanahan's system. And as you mentioned with Alex Gibbs, what he was able to do with that line with Terrell Davis, I mean, it was their bread and butter and kind of revolutionized a little bit of the game. It was hard to stop. It was and downhill. Trying to figure out what type of defense can you play against an offense like that, that can run the ball effectively with athletic linemen. And then all of a sudden beat you downfield off the play action with guys like Rod Smith, coming open free. I mean, that right there, I think, is something that the Broncos are trying to get back to. And I remember Nathaniel Hackett said it in his introductory press conference. That's what he wants to kind of get back to, kind of getting back to the Rod Smith, Eddie, uh, Ed McCaffrey days with John Elway. He wants to do some of those things on the offensive side of the ball. 
Um, I, I think that they can. I think you see a lot more athleticism now in the offensive line, maybe more so than you did back in the 1990s. But also, defensive players are faster as well and a lot, a lot more athletic and, and firm because you have a lot of guys playing in the nickel and the dime. So that also presents a challenge in itself when you do this type of offensive scheme. Uh, but if you can master it, you, it really works well. And I think the 49ers are a great example of how well they can get that going. Uh, a couple of quick things, and we got to cut you loose. Uh, number one, uh, Garrett Glasgow, I think he's going to be a bubble guy to make the team. He's now backing up uh, Lloyd Cushenberry. And I understand what Nathaniel Hackett said, we want to see guys with different looks. Well, we'll find out if that's true. If, if uh, Glasgow, who played right tackle, excuse me, right guard the most of last season, is starting in place of Miners and Muti tomorrow. If he is not with the starting lineup, then at the end of the day, I think they look at Glasgow as a backup at guard and at center. But I'll tell you something. I don't want to say it's surprising, but it looks like Mike Purcell has been moved out of the starting lineup. Sean Williams, he is the guy in there taking Purcell's spot. And unfortunately, local kid, I think he's a bubble guy too. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to figure out how that goes. I actually had a chance to talk with Mike Purcell a little bit today about that. And he said, you know, for, for them on the defensive line, they're, you know, there's a friendly trash talk going on with the offensive line. But he says, you know, we really can't we, – we have to figure out where we're at once we throw the pads on. He says, you know, right now a lot of it is touch and go. In a sense, you can't do too much. And obviously you don't want to hurt any of your, you know, you know your teammates when you're competing. He said the pads, off, you know, obviously offer a little bit of a safeguard there. But – for him, specifically a nose tackle, DJ Jones has really stepped in. In number 97, he's, he's been playing a little bit of that anchor there. Deshaun yeah. Williams kind of filling in that Shelby yep. Harris spot yep. from last year, and then Draymond. And I tell you what, Draymond and DJ Jones, they look like legitimate anchors yeah. against the run, and they can create the interior pressure, which you know we've seen a little bit, but how deceptive is it when you can't grab onto anything? That, to me, I think is something to continue to follow all throughout the week. But I agree with you. I think that tomorrow and going into next week, definitely looking at where Graham Glasgow plays a little bit. Uh, if he makes it, if he gets any rotation with the first team, I think will be a very interesting key to follow. We have 30 seconds to go. Eric Salbert has, has impressed uh, yes. with, with the way he catches, with the, with the way he is catching the ball. And at the end of the day, Russell Wilson is targeting him. Uh, we have 30 seconds left. Should Okawebenam and Dulcich be concerned that they will not be on the field as much because this guy is now showing he's certainly a terrific blocker, but now he's a pass option. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something to monitor, especially as Dulcich nurses the hamstring. We saw a lot of 13 personnel, three tight end sets, though, throughout the first couple of days of camp. Even if uh, Sauber becomes the first tight end option, I still think that we'll see plenty of Dulcich and Oak Webunon because of the skill sets that they offer. I, I think it's one of those positions where it doesn't matter who starts. People are going to be on the field and they're going to get some run. And they're going to get a little bit more opportunity in comparison to a position like running back where it's going to be mainly split between two guys. Denver's going to use a heavy utilization of multiple guys this year. Uh, not to share stuff that uh, happens off air, I will tell you personally, I'm looking forward to having you on the show tomorrow. Terry told me he is not. I'll see you tomorrow at training camp, my friend. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Eric. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate right, you. you guys. Cody, uh, Cody Rourke, our Broncos insider. You can catch all of his articles on milehighsports. You love the foeman descent. I do. Coming up after the break, guess who was at Broncos training camp today? Former Nuggets president Tim Conley. And I had a chance to catch up with him and talk to him about his move to Minnesota. That's next.
Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at TFry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, if you're looking for a great time this weekend, highly recommend you go to Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Every Friday and Saturday, they have live music with no cover. They have a pool hall with 15 pool tables. And their happy hour every day is hands down the best by far in the country. Not Denver, not Colorado, in the country. If you can tell me a bar, a sports bar, that does two-for-one on wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7, I would like to find that bar. Because the only bar that I found that does that is Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar. Go check them out in Lakewood. I want to get to something that you and I talked about yesterday with Debo Samuel, right? He wants a new contract. Now, what I'm about to say is not the end-all, be-all of wide receiver rankings, Terry. CBS Sports ranked the top wide receivers in football. I'm going to give you the top 10 briefly. Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, Debo Samuel is 8, Keenan Allen is 9, and A.J. Brown is 10. I'll ask you, Danny, as well. Is there anybody that's probably missing from that list, potentially? No, not off the top. Of You're my head. sure. I, I'm sure you've got a name primed right up there to throw in our faces. With that, with that, okay. Pro Football Focus ranked their elite wide receivers: Adams, Cup, Hopkins, Diggs, Hill, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans. That's top eight. Tier two starts with Debo Samuel. This is the reason why I'm bringing it up. So Debo Samuel and the 49ers right now are arguing over a contract. In a position. Adam Schefter reported 25 minutes ago, the Seahawks and DK Metcalf have agreed to a three-year, $72 million extension that includes $58 million guaranteed. It also includes a $30 million signing bonus, the highest ever for a wide receiver. So if you're wondering why Debo Samuel who, according to Pro Football Focus, CBS Sports, and probably a lot of other people, is better than DK Metcalf, and you're wondering why he's going back and forth with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, that's why. That's why. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Eurosport. Go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker, because everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience. Or find them online at rmurosport.com. We're running short in this segment because there's something else that just came out. The preseason Pac-12 football poll. Would you like to know where Colorado is? Where is Colorado? Remember, uh, unlike the Big Ten where there's not 10, there is 12 in the Pac-12. Where is Colorado? Nine. 12. And they 
are 12 by far because Arizona got 86 total points and the Buffs are bringing up the rear at 58. Now, Utah, is that a coaches or a media poll? A uh, media poll. What do those guys know? Nattering nabobs of Exactly, coming from a guy who votes on just about everything. Utah is number one with 26 first place votes. Oregon is number two. USC is number three. And UCLA is number four. I'd put Oregon number one. I would put USC number one. And they will be in the national championship picture with Lincoln Riley. He is going to turn around that program so stinking fast. Well, and with a great help of NIL also. Sure. Deep-pocketed USC boosters. Well, at the end of the day. At least doing it legally in the old days, they didn't have to worry about it. Well, at the end of the day, uh, Phil Knight basically funds the entire (laughs) Oregon program. You can take all of the boosters at USC, add up all the money they have, and it's not Phil Knight money. So please don't. I know you're an Oregon guy. You're wearing Oregon colors. You're wearing your green and your gold, but don't go there with NIL money (laughs) when you have Phil Knight in your backyard. My family took a tour of the new Oregon football facilities about four or five years ago, and they were newly christened after the Knight family, and there's a Jerry Fry office in the building, and we we got a tour with my, my dad's former players. And assistant coaches, and one of them turned to me and said, "You know, our weight room used to be the Central Lane YMCA. It's changed a little bit under the night, under the night uh, contributions." But Phil Knight, I, I need to say this: you jumped all over uh, Bob Kraft yesterday. No, Phil, you know, you Phil, jumped all over uh, okay. uh, over him. Def- you jumped all over defending him. I'm going to jump all right. over defending Phil Knight. He's given tons, just tons of money to the University of Oregon as a whole. Oh. There's a building named after his father. Hold on. So he gave money to university. I, I know. I and, know. And Here Rob, I hold on. Robert Kraft know, is giving money I know. to Israel. I knew that He's was giving coming. money to nonprofits. It's great that he wants to give money to I'm his own school. I'm just defending Phil Knight for, doing, for being... He's giving money he's, to his school. He's giving money to his school. He's so not, what? He's not only doing it for sports. I just. I am just saying that the easy throwaway line that everything in Oregon, everything in Oregon sports is Phil Knight. He's given tons of money to the entire entire university. I don't care what he gives to a university. I want to know what he does for people who are less fortunate. Because unless you're telling me there are a lot of wounded ducks running around. Uh, <laughs> to quite a phrase. Okay. Uh, seriously. Uh, you know what's funny? Back in the day, the guy who was the sugar daddy of college sports was T. Boone Pickens. You know what his net worth was? No. $500 million. You know what Phil Knight's net, net worth is? It's in the billion. $41 billion. Then you know what? He should buy a football team. He already did. It's called the Oregon Ducks. <laughs> and oh, by the way, you want to know why? And you, by the way, you're the guy who gets all upset about the live tour, right? Yes. Okay. Tell Phil not to have his shoes made by seven-year-old Chinese kids because it's cheaper. Right? Okay. Well, I want to make sure we're consistent. I got you. So he makes his money off a of cheap labor in China, not in the United States. Well, then the, the, NBA needs, the NBA needs to step up in that, too. Phil Knight owns Nike. He's the man. He's not the NBA. Um, he, Michael Jordan's deal was with Nike. That's because Nike did a better job of scouting than the Portland Trailblazers. No, that's fine. Did. But what I'm saying is that money, if we're going to talk about the money going to Oregon... 
and and it's coming through, funneled through, laundered through, whatever you want to call it, through China with cheap labor. That's just as egregious as the live tour, isn't it? With all of their human rights violations. I don't believe the 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 anybody connected with Nike has endorsed an assassination of a political. Dis- no, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. But with all the work camps in China, those are human beings too. With all their human rights violations. Okay, you tell LeBron James that too then. I, I At the end of the day, he's not Phil Knight. He's not worth $41 billion. He didn't pocket. Who's more influential, Phil Knight or LeBron James? Phil Knight. Not, I'm not talking by about swinging far, dollars around. I'm by talking fu- about he is if, the he most, was, if they speak, what's the impact? If it, it, if that's it, LeBron James. If it isn't for Phil Knight, the NBA isn't the NBA because of shoe deals. Because somebody has to make the shoes. I understand that. So you have seven year old kids making the shoes, but it's a good thing that Oregon has a nice new facility built on the backs of seven year old Chinese kids in a country that has more human rights violations, trust me, than Saudi Arabia. Well, we're all inconsistent on this. I think we all are. Coming up after the break, you'll hear from Tim Conley. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At T. Fry. At Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is brought to you by Pinnacle Builders. The best in home remodeling. Go to PinnacleDen.com. Well, when you go to Broncos training camp, you never know who's going to show up. You know, Sierra is going to be there, and she's been there two days in a row. Her attendance is perfect. Also at today's training camp practice was Tim Conley, former Nuggets president. He spent a lot of time chatting with George Payton, and once that chat was over, I had a chance to catch up with Tim. When you were with the Nuggets for all those years, you did a brilliant job of building a family atmosphere. The money is the money, but how hard was it to leave the family? Oh, it's, you know, and it's just about impossible. You know, the people in uh, Denver, the organization, uh, I mean, they're, they're some of my best friends that become family. I mean, Josh, one of my best friends in the world. Uh, you know, everyone knows how tight me and Mo are. Uh, Calvin's brilliant. I mean, they're good. Smartest basketball I've ever been around, so it's it was unbelievably difficult, and um, everyone's super happy. This is going to be uh, we're moving, but this is going to be home for a long, long time. I know you can't talk too specifically about the Nuggets' moves, but getting a couple of three and D's, how much more of competition are they for your Timberwolves now? I think that, and it's a no surprise because Calvin is so smart, and we got such such supportive ownership. They had an A plus summer. Um, going to be um, one of the teams to beat. It's going to be 78 games a year. I'll be pulling hard. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this. So you made the trade of the summer. Was Jokic in mind at all <laughs> no. picking up Gobert? 
<laughs> no, I mean, right, I've, I've talked to Nicole all the time, but we were not, uh, we didn't make that trade with anybody specific in mind. We just thought it was such a unique opportunity to add an elite, elite guy who was under contract, who wanted to be there, was excited to be there. So now it was not done with uh, Nicole and Mike. The one thing that you are great, you're great at a lot of things. You're great in the draft. I think it surprised a lot of us in Denver. You traded away arguably one of your biggest strengths. Do you see it that way at all? I mean, I don't know if I have many strengths, man. It's... Either do I. That makes two of us. Yeah, it's a lot of dumb luck, but it's never easy to give up that level of draft capital. But I think the hardest thing in the world to do, I think, is to find an elite player in his prime who's um, under contract, who's in a place he wants to be. So um, hopefully it's a trade that works out for both ends. Um, Yeah, I love, love, love the draft. I'm definitely going through some FOMO when when those years pop up. But we just, you know, been in this seat for a long time, and I can count on um, one hand the amount of times an elite, elite player is available. And you can actually put a package together to get that player and it can complements, you know, your core guys and kind of uh, doesn't get in their way and it just helps them. So who knows? Fingers crossed. Um, we're pretty excited. How's your family feel about making the move? It's not easy to make a move. Um, yeah, it's, it's, again, bittersweet. It hasn't been easy at all. Um, it's, you know, the, the work's the work, right? It's just a different jersey. So you're watching the same players, it's a different chessboard, but it's not easy at all. And um, they've been amazing and hasn't been easy the last you know, seven, eight weeks, just five days there, two days here. So uh, we're excited about the, the new spot, but um, these guys have been rock stars. One more quick thing. You have built this Nuggets team. It is, it is your team, and now I understand it's Calvin's team. But how hard is it not to be able to see it through when you have a two-time MVP, MPJ is coming back, Murray's coming back, and now they just happen to be in your division? I didn't build anything. It was we. There was, you know, it was a collective. The coaches certainly unbelievably patient and supportive ownership. The players, the players, uh, we, you know, they, they've done all this. So um, it's it, leaving a place special. This is, is so so hard. And it's, I'm excited about the new opportunity, the new challenge. But um, I mean, these are these are my friends and family. So um, if I was telling you it was easy, I'd be lying to you. With your agreement that you got, the money. Are people coming out of the woodwork now? I have some uh, some new um, family third, members, third cousins. <laughs> I joke with the um, I'm kind of pretty private. I'd say pretty low key guy. So this is all uncharted territory to me, and look forward to going back to being the kind of private, unknown guy. What's most striking to me is his unquestioned sincerity and uh, angst over this move. Yeah, I mean, listen, when you're given part ownership of a team and that type of money you do need to take it. I mean, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And he comes off as very self-deprecating. You know, I didn't build this team. You know, it was a group effort, so on and so forth. Calvin Booth is my best friend in the world. Well, he also said he's the smartest basketball mind he's ever been around. And that's high praise because he has been around, even though he didn't work with him, Masai Ujiri. Uh, He's been around Arturis Karnasovas and Arturis is a brilliant basketball mind. That is very high praise for Calvin Booth. But I will tell you this about Tim Conley. His sincerity in being humble is sincere. That is just how he is wired. He is the type of guy that you could put in a barn dance (laughs) as much as you can put into a arena that's a black tie affair, and he would fit in either way. And I say the same thing about Josh Kroenke. He is an everyman who gets along with everyone. He is the type of guy that you would absolutely want to have a beer with, go to Vegas with, whatever. He's just one of the guys you would never know. He was the Nuggets team president, and you would never know 
the type of money that he is now making. And he could have grandstanded here. He could have said, well, who's to say I wouldn't have made those moves, the Calvin Booth moves? He is incredibly humble. That's just the way he is wired. There's You and I have both covered guys that it's a look at me, look at me. For Tim Connolly, like a Joe Sackick, it's look away. Not look at me, look away. I have covered guys who, who will look you in the eye and lie to you knowing that you know they're lying to you. Right. That's not Tim Connolly. I will say that. No. I got to know Tim. I don't want to say he's one of my closest friends, uh, but we got to know each other certainly well enough. And his sincerity is genuine. What do we have coming up on Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it? We will talk about the newest pass rusher in the AFC West and also a guy who led the NFL last season in a particular category and is looking to outdo himself this season. That's next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman Fry on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at tfry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for a wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I don't want to call it breaking news. So you don't have to the music, but Dwight Howard was a surprise participant in a WWE tryout in Nashville today. <laughs> What's the world coming to? I mean, he's still playing. So if this basketball thing doesn't work out, why not bring in a guy who is still ripped like Adonis and is close to seven feet tall? Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it today, the Kansas City Chiefs made an addition, signing veteran D and Carlos Dunlap to a one-year $8 million deal. The Chiefs defense 29th in the league in sacks last season. And they add a guy who is top 10 in sacks among active NFL players. Dunlap spent his first 10 and a half seasons with Cincy before being traded to Seattle in 2020. So maybe a little familiarity with the Broncos' new quarterback, Russell Wilson. Uh, We've talked a lot about the pass rushers in the AFC West. Does Kansas City significantly improve with the addition of Dunlap? I mean, he got cut by the Seahawks, but he still had more sacks than Draymond Jones last year. He had eight and a half. He's, he's over Draymond, Jones. Draymond Jones. Did you say Draymond Jones? Draymond Jones is defensive end in a 3-4. But he's, still, he's still seeking sack. He's a defensive defensive end in a 3-4. Don't get a lot of sacks. You are completely uh, dismissing sacks as a measure of any defensive end's worth. 
If you're in a 3-4, it's different than a 4-3. But okay. You're still a defensive lineman, and you're still seeking to sack the quarterback. Just in case you missed it, Trayvon Diggs led the NFL with 11 interceptions in 2021, most by any NFL player in 40 years. He said he wants to have even more picks. Of course he does. Of course, right? (laughs) Why not? Um, so I want to win a we'll new see. Tesla. We'll see if he does. Uh, who will lead the Broncos in interceptions this season? Patrick Sertan. I would think I would guess Sertan, but I don't think they're going to throw at him a lot. Oh, that's like Champ game. Bailey. Yeah. The ball Louis rarely Wright. went Champ's way. And Louie Wright. However, when you look at the talented wide receiver in the AFC West, when you have a Renfro and then you also have Devontae Adams, you're going to throw to somebody, and you're going to want to throw to Adams. Make no mistake about it. And Sertan will probably be on him a little bit. I would guess Sertan. Um, I would guess Sertan for sure. But I don't, I don't think they're going to throw his way as much. Remember, when Champ Bailey was here, and I'm talking about when they had Darren Williams and Foxworth and Payman, yada, 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 you could pick on any of those guys because they were young, and Darren Williams was a terrific young player before he was murdered. But there was no reason to throw at Champ Bailey. None. I think for that reason, it'll be uh, a guy we talked about a lot already on this show with Cody, Justin Simmons. Oh, yeah. You He's know what? A ball hawk. I was, oh, it's so funny you should say that. I was only thinking of cornerbacks. You're right. If I had to put money down on it, and I know you like to put money down on things every once in a while, I would go with Justin Simmons as well. Danny no likes problem. to gamble. I don't know. You have to talk to him about that. I've been on a little bit of a hiatus because <laughs> I, I can't bet baseball, so I'm not going to just throw my money away. Uh, so I'm waiting for NFL season to roll around, and then I'll probably get back into it. The vice is back. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, just in case you missed it, according to 9 News, Coors Field will be transformed into a driving range by Upper Deck Golf from Friday, October 21st through Sunday, October 23rd. So... Not going to be playoffs for the Rockies, no Rocktober, but maybe a sort of golf-tober. Uh, any interest in hitting golf balls from the third deck onto the field at 20th and Blake? I, I want to be on the party deck. Can I do that? I'm not sure the exact uh, logistics, but I would imagine if you pay for admission into the event, you can probably go to the party deck to get some drinks. Wait, the way it's set up no, is they hit, the, they hit the ball off the party deck. Yeah, you hit the ball from the deck down onto the field. Like a, like a top golf type setup. <laughs> if you play enough golf, that's just like playing on an elevated tee. That's supposed to be a thrill? Sign me up. Wait, people have to pay for that? Yeah. That's nuts. Seriously. If you play enough golf, especially in Colorado, you can find places with elevated tees. But it's a cool thing to say, yeah, I one time was hitting golf balls from right here when you're at a Rockies game next fall or next summer. No. How much do you have to pay for that? I don't know. I didn't try to reserve tickets because I'm not really interested. Zero. Just in case you missed it, the uh, Colorado Rapids tweeted happy National Soccer Day. I guess that is today on July 28th. Uh, They are currently in 12th of 14 teams in the MLS Western Conference. Any excitement growing within you for the World Cup in November as today is National Soccer Day? Absolutely, because the U.S. team is going to play. It'll be a big deal. 
Uh, if if they are a good enough team and they can find a way to win a game or two, I remember the last World Cup when the U.S. played, and I was into it. I was. It doesn't mean everybody else is going to be, but a lot of sports bars will be showing it. But wait, it's in November. That's a yeah. bad, that's a bad time. It is. It's tough because they got to go against the NFL. And by the way, do you really and th- games will be on early? Yeah. Do you really think that the World Cup? is going to really care about scheduling a U.S. game against the NFL. They should, right? Now, if you're, if you're going to play a game on a – if you're going to schedule them on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and even Saturday with college football, it'll do better than college football. But the NFL, no way. No way. I think we may have a USA-England matchup on Black Friday, so that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I th- it would. I believe there was a matchup in 1776 as well. <laughs> we won that one. We won handily. How about the War of 1812? Um, we won that too. I think that was kind of a draw. It was a draw? Yeah. yeah. The White House didn't uh, do very well during that war. Yeah, in all seriousness, I, I think it'd be really exciting to go to a World Cup game outside of the United States and, and send, get into the atmosphere there. I've been to an Olympic Olympic soccer games, but it's not the same thing. It would be kind of like the Ryder Cup. To me, I've said this many times before. The Ryder Cup is the greatest event I've ever covered. But honestly, I would not want to go to a World Cup event. I would want to go to a EPL game where it is... Yeah, or cr- Champions League. Where it is crazy rowdy. They love Stan Kroenke over there. Arsenal? Yeah, problem is they don't like him either, but his team just continues to win, generally speaking, right? Right. Right. As far as I know. Yeah, keep hating on the owner, but at the end of the day, your team keeps winning because they keep paying players and they have good executives. I understand the whole Comcast thing. I'm with you on that. But at the end of the day, his teams win. Has Nazem Kadri signed today? Nope. Unfortunately, not yet. At this point, I really don't care where he goes. (laughs) Do you? I hope he comes back. I hope he comes. But, I mean, is it even on your radar? Yeah, somewhat. Okay. It's it's definitely faded. It's faded over the last week or so, but and that, oh, weeks or so. <laughs> and, and that's my point. If the day of the opening of free agency, if you found out Kadri was going to the Islanders, you'd be like, "Oh man, that stinks." If it was announced right now that Kadri is going to the Islanders, you'd be like, "Okay." Broncos have started. It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't feel the same, would it? And we would move on to who could possibly replace him in, in the lineup and on the roster. Yeah, I mean, we would, but I don't think the sting would be as is is severe because the opening free agency was such a long time ago. Yeah. we are so far past hockey; it is in our rearview mirror. I mean, yes, it's, <laughs> it's nice to see pictures of Landeskog with the cup wherever he is. It's neat to see it, but most people are past the Stanley Cup. I also think we have to remember that it's going to be, it's going to seem like training camp opens in, I don't know, three weeks. No, it's going to open probably in about five weeks. Well, right? it's going to open the, in September. Right. Because the season will start right around uh, like October 5th, October 9th, yeah. something like that. All right. Uh, that was Argonaut Wine and Liquor. Just in case you missed it, Argonaut always has the best specials. Here's uh, one you're going to love. If you love domestic wine, all 750 milliliter bottles are 15% off. Argonaut delivers and delivers. Deliveries, I should say, over 100 bucks are free. Go check them out off of Colfax. We've got ArgonautLiquor.com. Nolan, great job today. Danny, great to have you back. I know you're not going to be back tomorrow. Yeah, but I'll be back soon. I know. 
I missed you, man. It was good to be here. Really? Yep. Let's hug it out after the show. All right. Man hug. Hip to hip. Not the where we're like separate. Terry, great job today. I love your Oregon duck green and gold. Fighting ducks. Yes. Built on the backs of seven-year-old Chinese <laughs> kids in a communist country. Thanks to Phil Knight. Make it the best possible night you can.